Hey, what's going on? The Rogue Potter here, Forrest Stevens, talking about tripping with Forrest. Talking about it or hosting it? I don't know. What was I just thinking of? I had some sort of just vague, random idea right before I started uh, recording, and I think it was about context. It was about how people can have these different behaviors. People can be doing the same thing but with completely different reasoning behind it and that reason for doing a behavior or for acting means so much more than the actual action itself and that's why looking at an action on the face is not really telling of much and you have to fill in the gap unless you know all the context and all the people and that's why it's so hard to accurately judge somebody. I mean, we judge people all the time, but to accurately judge someone, you have to understand so much context. I think I've talked about this a little bit in past pods, and I think, you know, it's inevitable that I'm going to just start repeating things. You know, I'm only 20, 29 episodes in, 30 episodes in. And I wasn't thinking about that because somebody's judging me, and I've let go of a lot of the feelings of judgment I feel like I'm just going to start doing things for fun and I'm in a unique position I think as well as an individual so and I undervalue that sometimes because I realize that not everybody can just create a podcast where they get a little stoned and they say some wild shit because there's consequences to them saying something and maybe they can do it anonymously but you have to understand that Every single action you have to, you should at least, and if you don't, it's going to burn you. You should understand the worst case scenario of something so that you at least accept that inevitability, even though it isn't inevitable. Because it's not always going to be a worst case scenario for as far as consequence goes of your actions. But if you don't accept that worst case scenario, then you'll be surprised by it and you'll not want you'll not be okay with suffering the consequences. And I think ultimately, I think that's what anxiety is trying to do. It's trying to make sure that you're okay with the consequences of your actions and of the world around you and all the things happening to you. It's not trying to make you okay with them, but it's trying to bring them to awareness. And it's up to you to actually listen to your anxiety and say, okay, thank you for bringing me this to my attention and I will consider it. I will place it here. It's not important, but just acknowledging it. You can even say it's not important, but you have to at least acknowledge it first. I think that's where the struggle of anxiety becomes too real is when you continue to ignore, because there's a difference between denying something and ignoring something. Because when you deny something, I mean, you can deny something and ignore it, but denying something means that you actually acknowledge that it exists in its, in its form, um, however it exists. And oftentimes it's a, it's a question. It's, it's anxiety for most people, I would say is oftentimes a question in your mind saying, what, what will you do if this happens? Or, and, and maybe not actually a question. Maybe it's, Maybe it's like, oh, this is going to happen. Be afraid. It's it's this fear thing. But I think fear dominates and fear rules 
unless you just simply look at your fear. And this is the power and the situations that people talk about with um, psychedelics of being chased by some sort of monster. You know, I feel like this is a, a classic thing that happens to people um, because it, it plays out visually in their mind or it plays out in, in a different way um, that provides them context. But it's oftentimes they're running from something, this fear, and it's almost like a shadow or something, and they turn around and if you face it and you shine light on it, it becomes what it actually is. And it's usually much smaller, it's usually much more personal, less generalized, it's, it's less made up, it's more actually real. And that can be scary, having to face something that's actually real. I, I can talk, for instance, in my mind, I have this experience or I have this protector that comes up when I get, let me think about this. This is, this was a while ago I was dealing with this issue. It's, um, oh, it's like a self-conscious, uh, self, you know, in me, like a protector that's like, uh, wants to be hidden. It's, it's, oh yeah, yeah. It's okay. So it's a part of me that tries to like hide away and, I reached that part of me through Kundalini, through yoga, and I envisioned, because what happens is, okay, <laughs> this is hard to explain, hard, complex thought, five minutes in, it feels like 25 minutes in. So complex thought here, and, and use your imagination as I begin to describe this. There's this feeling, and I think other people can relate to the sensation of leaving your body. Now, this means different things to different people. And for some people, they think that it's, or maybe it is for them, but it becomes something, some sort of positive where you're able to explore other realms of reality. And maybe that's what's happening. But for me, whenever I feel like I'm leaving my body, I've actually understood that that's a protector coming up. And it's actually making me avoid the current moment and put myself into a reality that I can better grasp because even though it is very alien to my normal existence, it is separate from the reality of what is actually happening to me. So this feels, when it's happening, it feels like it's always with my eyes closed, you know, and, and in this case, I was um, in the meditation process after uh, extreme yoga and, and, um, feels like my awareness is not in my mind anymore, but it's in like, maybe it's in my mind, but it's in like the top of my mind or like in the corner of my mind. And oftentimes it, for me, I'll, I'll have my eyes closed and my awareness goes from my vision or my, my sort of forehead to almost like, you know, if you're, if we're, if you guys have an, an understanding of the chakra system, I would say it goes to your crown chakra and for those without that, uh, it feels like it's going to the to the crown of my skull in the upper right-hand side. And I imagine it's different for other people, but for me, it feels like my awareness goes to this sort of dark corner where it can escape and it can feel like I have separated myself from this moment. And where I've had this before, you know, um, I ha I've had this during yoga and it's because it's... Uh, because there's, there's, it's protecting me from actual, uh, more primal, uh, deeper, more personal feelings. 
Um, I had this once actually when when trying to, unsuccessfully trying to, break up with uh, my ex-girlfriend. And, you know, we we're just laying in bed and I was kind of explaining this isn't working, blah, blah, blah. And my, my awareness was just going to this point um, that was unrelated from me being there on that bed. It felt like I was able to observe myself, even though it wasn't visual. It just felt like I was able to like see that or, or like actually that time it was like my head was huge, but my body was just tiny because I had just left my body, right? In that sense, I had left it behind because I had just gone to this, this corner of my brain. So that was one example. The, the example with Kundalini, which, which was very interesting is started having that sensation. And I, it was like, I was dealing with the judgment, the self judgment that I've talked about so many times in this podcast. And I began to see this self, uh, this, this, this inner child in that, in that dark, far reaching corner that was shadowed. And I was sitting there holding my knees and my hair was long in front of my face and really greasy. And I was unkempt and my, and like raggedy clothes. And I was hiding. It was to me, visually, a, a representation that I had seen that reminds me of what I saw in that moment was Will in the first season of um, Stranger Things when he's hiding in the upside down world. And it was me. It was me. And I recognized it as me as opposed to just existing in this place. And, and I, it was the first time I recognized that, oh, I'm not doing well in this space. I always kind of thought it was like a good thing to sort of leave your body and to gain this different awareness and this protector kind of thing. And maybe at some point in my life, early childhood, no doubt, I developed that as a coping mechanism. So in this way, I've understood that leaving your body can mean different things to different people. And some people think it's some, especially, you know, in people around me think because of the, you know, the way they were raised or the, the things they got into um, that they deem spiritual, they believe that it's some sort of elevation of spirit uh, to leave your body. And I've begun to realize that in my case, there's a different definition of what that means. And, and I find that it's actually a protector and that I need to live here. I need to live more grounded into reality. And there's different ways of leaving your body. And maybe in a, a different spiritual sense, it can be quite healing. And in this case, it was because after I recognized the greasy, beat up child self, the, the and I was probably about eight, year old, eight years old in this child self that I saw. I, um, what did I do? I, I sort of I shone, I, I took a light, you know, like I didn't physically have it, but I, I shined a light on myself and it illuminated me. And instantly I went from that position of curled up, uh, hugging my knees to jumping in the air and my hair went back and I was holding a toy sword and a toy shield. And this is, this is what I saw. And it was almost like a cartoon, like it was kind of cartoonish, like, uh, yeah, just like a cartoon comic book or something. Uh, jumping forward, you know, chest held high, strong. And I shined a light by not physically illuminating myself, but by saying, you are loved. Because 
it was the first time I recognized that that the part of me that was hiding in this in this part of my brain or outside of my body wasn't doing well. It was actually very scared. It was very it was it was unlooked after. And I needed to love that part. So, you know, I said something to myself like uh, you are loved or I can't even remember exactly, but I just, I, I think it was more of like a feeling, you know, love is a feeling more than, you know, you can say, oh, I love you to somebody, but um, that's a feeling for you. And for them, it's a feeling uh, of, of feeling loved and it's on them to accept that feeling. So there's, there's different feelings there, right? There's the feeling of sending love to somebody and there's the feeling of accepting sent love. And so even though it was me I was talking to, this child self, I sent the emotion, I sent the feeling of love to it. And it sprung to this courageous child, this warrior child that was strong and wasn't hiding. And it was so almost life-changing in a way, that, that sensation that I felt from that or that that true connection and it felt like oh i can't i can't go back to hiding anymore i have to become myself this this was another representation of me becoming my authentic self it just happened at this at this deeper historical sense um, because you know history doesn't have to be defined by thousands of years or hundreds of years it can be defined by within our own lifetime and we all have a personal history. And so for me, this was a historic change. And it changed the way I felt as that scared young child. And I don't always feel that, you know, there's only certain situations that make me feel in that same way. And you can, that's the thing, right? We don't, as adults, we don't live in our in, in all of these different feelings that we have baked in, but they happen from time to time. And the way we feel about a situation, uh, like a situation can trigger a feeling that triggers a childlike reaction of hiding, of getting, of trying to get away from trying to get out of my body, right? That's the situation I'm trying to explain here. And it's just, uh, for me, I started realizing, oh, wow, if I stand up and I face what I'm afraid of instead of hide from it, I can be courageous. I can be the person I want to be. And I realized that there's nothing in my life that I need to be afraid of. There's nobody trying to harm me. There's nobody trying to attack me. There's nothing I need to be hiding from in my life. And if those situations come up, I need to develop a different way to deal with them, a more strategic, a more logical uh, approach, a more adult approach. You can't approach your life with the same way that you did as a child. Our programming needs rewritten and we need to face our fears. On this show, you know, I've talked a lot about money. Um, investing is an interest of mine. Money is really important as a store of energy of, our, of ourselves and basically we can use it to create in this world. We can make all these different things happen just because of the money that we either use. And the more you accumulate of it, the more you can create. And it's just, uh, it's a fascinating subject. And 
it's a lot easier sometimes to actually save money than it is to make money. So today's sponsor is Mint Mobile. And if you're in the States and you have a cell phone, you can probably save a lot of money by switching to Mint. I mean, Mint has these plans. It's like 15 bucks a month, unlimited calling, unlimited texting, five gigabytes of data. They have 4G, 5G plans. And for 30 bucks, you can get unlimited data included with that plan. And so it's like 30 bucks unlimited data. And the internet is so powerful. We need to get on there. We need to learn. I mean, you're probably, you're using the internet right now to listen to this, to download this. Um, it's important to have, and you might be able to save a ton of money by switching to Mint. So check out the link in the description for Mint Mobile, and we get a kickback here, we get a small commission, so it really, really supports the show. It's super, super important to um, feel like I can actually do this and make a little bit of cash, um, th this podcast, so it's going a long way, and it's really important for you to save money as well. So. If you are spending too much on your mobile, go at least check it out. See if the coverage is good for you, if the service is good for you. And basically, it's a smart business as well. What they've done with Mint Mobile is they've um, they've basically done what more and more companies are doing to save money and to pass it on to consumers, which is not have a retail store. There's a lot of empty shopping malls out there in the world now because there's no need for companies like Mint Mobile to have a cell phone kiosk in the mall or whatever storefront. And so they can pass those savings from not having to, um, you know, rent and lease that space, not having to employ those people working there. They can employ people in a more concentrated fashion so they can have less employees and serve more people basically. And they do it all online, all through the internet. And the customer service is supposedly pretty good still. Um, that's the other thing too, is you don't want to like lose things by switching to Mint Mobile. So I would I would just recommend checking them out, see if it's a fit for you. Um, basically, when I ever have a problem on my cell phone, I'm calling them anyway. I'm not going into a store. Uh, that's just, you know, you're just looking to get upcharged basically by going into a store anyway. So um, check it out. Links in the description, like I said.